we just want to take a moment and warn you that we're going to be discussing sexual assault and sexual violence, and we wanted to make sure that you take care when you're listening, and if you don't want to listen, we're not offended. Today, we found out that Bill Cosby is leaving prison, despite having been found guilty in a court of law for raping dozens of women. So, I am going to ask my female friends here, uh, <laughs> Dr. Tamara Stevenson, Dr. LaShawn Williams, and Amy Donaldson, uh, your thoughts, starting with you, Dr. Stevenson. Well, uh, you know, this is going to be part of a big conversation around uh, criminal justice in the, the legal system in this country. There are several examples across several types of cases, not just around Cosby's case, but even going back to uh, the George Floyd incident, going back to all kinds of incidents that look at how the criminal justice system is unfair, is, of course, is not perfect, but we're asking for some sort of uh, fairness and and recognition of those who are harmed, and how can they be made whole after uh, what what they experienced? So there's going to be a lot to unpack behind this. I don't think anybody saw this coming, so I think that's part of the shock of it all as well. So uh, yeah, I think uh, many of us are, are are processing the fact that it happened and all of the things around uh, again. The justice system, the role of prosecutors and, def- and the reason defense he is out attorneys is because in this process. A federal judge found that the prosecutors, there was misconduct. Well, the prosecutor entered into a deal where he said he would not prosecute Bill Cosby uh, for statements that he made in a civil case. So he made some admissions that were then used against him in the criminal trial. So that obviously, those, anyone legally knows that. Those those are binding. I I heard someone ask on the radio, were these things in writing? Well, of course they're in writing. They're lawyers. They're, yeah, they're lawyers. <laughs> and and um, I think it goes to for me. And then the other thing was they allowed women to testify who were not um, named victims in the case. So they considered, and that's been. There's two. I had two reactions to that. One is ten years ago, I would understand that. Um, you would never bring a victim who's not a victim of record unless it had something that, like a sister of a victim in, a, in an incest case because you can only bring facts into a case that are relevant to the case at hand. Now, my husband's going to get on me for practicing law without a <laughs> license, but, um, but I did cover the courts for a while as well. And so the, the issue was the judge allowed these women to testify and the – higher court found these this testimony to be prejudicial because if I'm on trial for one crime and a bunch of people said he also did that to me, that might cause a jury to believe they might give more credibility right, right. to the victim. So that's the a argument. More of a yeah, of the, guilt. Just legally speaking, those were the issues at hand. Now for me, when you're talking about overhauling the criminal justice system, which absolutely has to happen, the reason I was surprised about the victim testimony being um, overturned was that there's been a huge shift in the last decade, um, when, especially when it comes to sexual assault cases, that this kind of testimony isn't prejudicial, that it is enlightening because what they find is that people who commit sex crimes are usually don't have only a single victim and that there is um, not 
the kind of evidence that you get, your body becomes basically a crime scene. So it does help and it, and it is enlightening to have those kinds of facts. And they vet these women. It's not just anybody off the street who makes an accusation. There are There has to be some kind of investigative corroboration that this is a person who just didn't want to pursue a criminal case or maybe the statute of limitations has run its course or whatever, which I think I believe that some of these were statute of limitations um, issues. But so I was surprised because there has been a huge shift and they are allowing this type of testimony. I've seen it locally in a number of cases that are not this dynamic, that that are not even this, you know, to me, cut and dry. Um, But the thing is, prosecutors have no accountability and they have the ability to prosecute whoever they want, to dismiss cases when they want. They answer to nobody. And I feel like that's the bigger issue. Um, this prosecutor entered into a deal that was clearly a bad deal. And um, and then they went ahead and prosecuted him, which is prosecutorial misconduct. And they're immune. So there's no lawsuit that can be filed. Um, you know, if, you, if you're worried about Mr. Cosby, you know, he spent a couple of years in jail or something or prison that – you know, legally speaking, he probably shouldn't have. And I think there are people who are genuinely upset that if it's happening to him in this case, then it's probably happening to people without money right. and with a public defender and who can't appeal or fight it. So I guess it's very complicated. I think my fear is that it makes it even more unsavory for victims to, to even come consider prosecution. And we need these people off the street. We need them to get help. We need them to be punished. Um, so, Dr. Williams, when you heard this, um, what were your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts were, well, they let Bill Cosby out of prison. Now I'm worried about R. Kelly. I'm worried about the men who say or who see what happens to Bill Cosby and see themselves. And not that, and they see themselves now like freed, right? And, 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 and cleared of any wrongdoing as opposed to wrongdoing. Like the, the issue for me um, is when these sorts of things happen, is it having the general deterrent effect that criminal justice is supposed to have? There's a specific deterrent for the person who's actually held mm-hmm. accountable, but is there any general deterrence? And be it as it may, it's a similar thing when we had the trial for uh, Derek Chauvin happening and two, one incident of, of police involved violence that led to the death of uh, Mr. Wright mm-hmm. in down the street from the courthouse where it was happening. You see, again, general deterrence. The cops don't see themselves in Derek Chauvin. Rapists, men who rape, people who rape do not see themselves in Bill Cosby or R. Kelly when they're held accountable, but they see themselves when they are let free or they're not convicted, then they see themselves as someone who has now been vindicated. And so we have to have a really difficult conversation of both and, because is the risk of getting caught and held accountable enough to keep people from abuse, whether it be sexual violence or lethal violence, is the the risk of getting caught and held accountable, is that enough? Because if it's not, people are going to keep doing it. I want to reset this real quick. So we're speaking with Dr. LaShawn Williams. She is a Clinical social worker, actually, that's true. Yes, Yes. and and, um, professor of social work at Utah Valley University. Also over there is Dr. Tamara Stevenson, who is a chief diversity officer and vice president of diversity, equity, and inclusion at Westminster College. I'm sorry, I should have brought that up in the beginning. You know, what I wanted to ask both you ladies again, though, is, you know, seeing this happen and 
Amy mentioned uh, when we were offline, Black Twitter, which, you know, love or hate, <laughs> they brought some things out. Uh, we found out um, Bill Cosby's co- co-star in The Cosby Show, which shaped my childhood. Love Fat Albert. I mean, I, I just woke up Sunday morning, Saturday mornings. Not, I couldn't wait to watch it because there was so much good coming out of that. But to me, Bill Cosby's dead to me. Mm. That's a hard thing to say mm. because he was important in my life. And I, I'm, as, a, as a young black fellow, that guy was somebody to aspire to. He, he talked to me. <laughs> he, he brought me characters in my life that uh, meant something to me. It, it told me how to be a good human being, how to think uh, of, of school and education well. And when, we, when I saw that show with, with his kids and his beautiful black family, I love that. Uh, that. That whole idea that he showed me who we could be and who we are. I knew people like that, right? But then I come to find out he's this guy. That outweighs so much of the good he did. And and I'm not saying he was a hero to me. I mean, again, I'm, I'm not that guy because I, I don't find heroes outside of myself. These are people I need to be able to uh, look look at and talk to. However, he was a role model. He was somebody who I thought had my best interest at heart. But then behind closed doors, he was the devil. But he was somebody you trusted. I mean, this is the thing for a kid. I found this with my sports heroes or, or people that I looked up to. I trusted them. And when they said, hey, if you're a young kid, you should do this. This is important. This is the way you treat people or this is the way you talk to people or this is the these are books you should read or things you should do with your life. I believed them. And it does help. And there's times when those are the people that you trust most or that if you're a kid in a struggle, in a tough situation, sometimes that's the thing that gets you through. And so I feel uh, it's not an insignificant loss and it's not an insignificant loss to the black community. And I understand why people want to separate his sexual assault issues, which are many, from what he gave the black community yeah. at a really critical time. And you have to, I don't know, but there were so many great black shows at that time. And I, this is why I don't understand. They were successful. People watched them. I loved them. And then they just went away in the nineties. Well, mm-hmm. they know? did. So to, to, to Jason, to your point, uh, a different world is a, is a show um, about a uh, black college students that um, was kind of a spinoff of the Cosby show mm-hmm. in the late 80s, right around the time I was going to college. I didn't go to an HBCU, but wow, that would have... You made me want to go to one. You made me want to go to one, yep. but I was... I, and that is my favorite TV show of all time, and I, I hold to that to to the, to the point that he did not appear in that show. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I had to actually see him in that show, and even when I watch it now, I, I, I have enough, you know, I can kind of separate it. Um, what I also think is bit, is different, too, is back then we didn't have social media, right? Mm-hmm. So we didn't have kind of this 24-hour, seven-day news cycle where we were hearing these stories. You might have read it in a magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, it was just rumors. It was just, Right. It was nothing that that was could be corroborated. It wasn't hitting home in my hometown of Detroit on the um, where, you know, it was just like TV was, was it pretty much. And, and uh, uh, so... Now, as an adult, as more of an adult and and totally, um, you know, being more conscious, you know, what we talked about at, at a, in another 
a, a podcast about um, the us versus they mm-hmm. and and how close we are. We might be to someone who might have experienced sexual assault. We have a, a different mindset about it. And and it, it's again, it's just so overwhelming to the point where I think some people just like mentally check out about it because it's just too painful to even think about. You're, you're disgusted. At, you feel cheated. You feel like you were lied to. And you, then you got to remind myself, well, nobody's perfect. And I, and that's not an excuse, but to just be like, like, don't meet your heroes because they'll disappoint you. Yeah, but they don't have to be uh, sexual predators. You know, yeah. Of course it's, not. It's, of course not. If there's but one I, thing to have yeah, a speeding but, ticket, yeah. it's another thing don't you think, to don't be you think, a sexual predator. Yeah. But don't you think really the heartbreak rapist. is that, yeah. I, the, that I see on black Twitter a lot is black women saying... You know, we can have this conversation about how much of his legacy is salvageable mm-hmm. and how much of it's not. But what's heartbreaking is that you, the black men would defend this. Yeah, because when you when you see in Bill Cosby, you, you're talking about a betrayal yeah. of epic yes. proportions. And it's not that only that Bill Cosby did this thing. It's he's just like my yes. cousin, uncle, that dude yeah. down the street. Like we all know somebody mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is a predator. Mm-hmm. And so now that person feels vindicated because they see what's going on with Bill Cosby. And so it just reminds you how unsafe you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It I think reminds that- you how just it's a betrayal in, in so many ways. And it's a system that just, was yeah. built for Bill Cosby to succeed as a man in Hollywood. Like there are so many like very real and valid moving parts. He did what everybody else was doing at that point. That's the thing you hear. Everybody was doing it. It doesn't make it Right. Right. And so if everybody was doing it, then everybody needs to be held accountable. Because that's when black folk were like, well, how was only Bill Cosby? Great. Great question. It wasn't only Bill Cosby. Harvey Weinstein, people. Harvey Weinstein, yes. But there is this thing that somehow or another, like, "Eh, it wasn't as bad. Because Harvey Weinstein is not paraded around in front of white people like, oh, look, 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 look. See, he screwed up. Now all of you are held accountable and held up to this measure. Bill Cosby? The Jell-O dude? The fatherhood comedian, the guy who wrote the books, the Cosby show, like a great husband. We can, I mean, it's a betrayal because it's the one that the, it's like you think about when they would behead someone and, and take the head and like parade it through the mm-hmm. neighborhoods. This is what has happened. So you're you're actively mourning this and you're hating Bill Cosby because of what he did and because of what he represented. You have these two very difficult things happening at once. And we haven't mentioned the the, you know. The black women that weren't believed about their experiences with Bill Cosby because it was X amount of white women. Mm-hmm. And so you're you're playing into all of these awful, negative, nasty, racist stereotypes. And what it we also aren't talking about sex as survival. Yes. We're not talking about mm-hmm. sex as survival for mm-hmm. women. It, particularly you're talking about uh, people who wanted to be in uh, women who wanted to be in the entertainment industry and who felt like. They had little choice in the matter sometimes and to be alone with this guy. Absolutely. And when you realize that sex is the only way I'm going to get out of this situation, right. I have to survive. Right. And so then this is what you do. It doesn't happen to we're, – we're seeing now that there are more people who are coming forward and saying, I had to do it to survive, and we're not talking about that. Mm-hmm. And that's why you have to believe survivors because they did what they had to do to survive, and then we use it against them. Well, you should, should have done this. You should have done this. I couldn't. I knew that the only way out was through, and that's what had to happen. And that is what happened. It does not negate the fact that he should not have done it. doesn't negate the fact that he was covered for. doesn't negate the fact that it took me 20 years to get the voice to say he did it. 
What matters is that he did it and he deserves to be held accountable for it because I have carried this for 20 years. Yeah. That's another conversation we've got to be having if we're talking about healing and wholeness and restorative justice. I know we talked about, uh, like my best friend, when we when I saw this and I was on Facebook, I know this is a terrible place to be most of the time, <laughs> is that uh, he he was happy that Bill Cosby got out because he felt as though, and, he, and this is what he wrote to me because I'm like, you know, why, you know, what about this makes you feel like, you know, he was somehow vindicated. He says he didn't believe that all those women were telling the truth to which I replied. Well, but several, what if several of them were telling the truth? That would make him a multiple serial rapist. Mm -hmm. Right. So would you be happy about that? Should, Should they be discounted, though? I didn't get a response from that, by the way. But the idea is somehow. If 40 women said it and he feels like if 30 of them were lying, that means that he shouldn't have spent more than barely three years, not even three years, in prison. This guy is a terrible human being when it comes down to it. I mean, if if somebody told you that, uh, you know, the, the best person you know spent his adulthood serially raping women, despite the fact that he gave money to church, he took his kids to school, he was a, a good father, a good uh, husband, well, generally speaking— uh, obviously, wasn't that great? Then would you, you know, say to him, "It's okay." And he lost a child to violence, right? Yeah, one of his kids was, was murdered. Ki- yeah. So there, there's no. I mean, you're not. You shouldn't have to be your worst. All, all of your totality shouldn't have to be your worst acts. However, if your worst acts were among the most despicable things you could do as a human being, and this is one. This is what we're talking about. To to. To sexually assault, to rape a woman is, is bet, you know, short of murder. I don't know the, anything worse. Well, and I, and I, again, I feel compelled to say this, though. I think there are women who felt like you say sex to survive. There were women who um, were already being preyed on. And I think what bothers most of us really about, about any of these predators, but definitely about a guy like R. Kelly or Bill Cosby, they know this yes. dynamic better than some people. Yes. And they took advantage of it. They, yeah, and purpose. we trust the people in our community that like, oh, you come from my neighborhood. Oh, we share this in common. I'm going to I'm going to trust you. Um it's uh so it's a betrayal on a number of levels yes. and I just don't know so I that's what I see people doing kind of processing these this layers of stuff and I just worry that the message that gets sent to women of all you know, types of victimhood, you know, victims of an, in all ways that keep your mouth shut. It's what it's the message I got during the Anita uh, Hill, yeah, yeah. Clarence Thomas Absolutely. hearings, which was uh, same thing that's happened to her was happening to me. I'm keeping my mouth shut. Well, that, that's what I'm sitting here just really thinking about is that, you know, for any situation, if you've ever kind of said your truth and you were not believed or you were. Uh, you were gaslighted into that it didn't really happen, right? The lengths that people would go to just to to eat, try to erase or suppress or silence you—it's a wickedness right. that that uh, uh, that can't even be fully articulated. And so, um, this this is not a debate of, or you know, we're not we're not debating, but this isn't an issue of the a number. 
right? That's going to mm-hmm. yeah. validate. This isn't a, a you know quantitative research project mm-hmm. where we're looking for um, saturation. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so this idea of and this goes for anybody. If you have, if somebody has challenged your truth, you are you are causing harm. And, and no matter how innocent or well intentioned you might be, you are causing such harm. And you're gonna have to really think about what you're saying and what you're doing. Um, if you, especially if you think you are helping somebody, right. and you tell them or you, well, did you really? Did it really? You are you are on a level of wickedness that that just it, you just need to really do some internal reflection on on your existence. You gotta have a, people need to learn empathy. Mm-hmm. Put yourself in someone else's shoes. We don't do that enough. I've said that about white people at large, you know, uh, and especially when we have these conversations about police. You know, put yourself in the position of the person you are dealing with and ask them, ask yourself, how would you behave if somebody did this to you? If you are uh, if you put yourself in a position of a woman who is trying to make it in uh, entertainment and Bill, Bill freaking Cosby paid you some attention and and you thought that maybe he, he offered to help you, that he might be sincere in 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 his uh his efforts you you might take a you you wouldn't think of it as taking a chance you would say why shouldn't i have uh you know a meeting with him but then to find out later on that he was a sexual predator and that he didn't think of you as a real human being as much as some kind of vessel some some trophy i don't, I don't even know how to describe it i because i'm not that person i don't get it I, I i seriously don't get it but when you find out that's what he was about that's who he is at his essence that is beyond betrayal. It's it's just it's evil. Seriously, it's evil. And I think one of the great lies that our system, and whether you're in it or not, I mean, and we had this conversation on a different podcast uh, where we were talking about with sexual assault advocates, uh, what you say uh, is heard by victims. You may not know that you're talking to a victim, but it is heard, and they understand what you think and where you're coming from. And that message may be something that they know is is crap. And it may be a child or a sister or somebody who doesn't know that it's crap who now knows that you value them less. And I think the great lie that our system and that we, our society, uh, commits against these victims is that it is that there is something they could have done that would have changed this situation. That we somehow make this their responsibility, their fault. And, and I will say to you, if you're listening to this and you have this, have any of these experiences, it is not your fault. You did not do anything to deserve this. And you are absolutely worthy of every kind of love and every kind of acceptance and support. And there are organizations nationally and locally that will help you get the, that help. You're not, you're, there are more of you then people know. And so I would say when you have these conversations, you're thinking about things, people are listening and they're hearing what you're saying. Dr. Stevenson, I want to give you the last word here. I mean, I don't even know where to go with this necessarily, but what would you say to people when when they hear this and they somehow, they... Uh, and they see the pictures they, on the they news. See, and they, yeah. th- Their thoughts are that maybe this, uh, some uh, injustice has been made right. Especially if, as, as victims out there... Their hearts are broken today. Well, I, I really don't feel like I'm completely qualified to address that question because we have a, 
a, a bona fide therapist sitting next oh, to me. Oh, well, there you go. So, um, uh, you can but, share the final word. Yeah. Okay, that's right. I just thought <laughs> so about that. I, I guess I would at least, oh my gosh, I would just at least say just pause. Like, you know, just pause uh, uh, from absorbing all of this content around um, this 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 latest update and uh, just do some self-reflection on on what's right and and what it means to for humanity to exist without to exist in some semblance of safety mm-hmm. um uh social media and and will will be on this for a while and you just got to kind of disconnect from from all of that noise and just really dig deep into what uh uh what is what is right and what should be right for humanity to be safe um and that there's a lot of work to do around the the criminal justice system. So I guess I would just leave it at that. Dr. Williams, I will get, I'm sorry. You as a social worker, clinical social worker that. Um, you know, there's been something on my mind for a while as someone who was a survivor of sexual assault and I would say this to anyone who is listening. Bill Cosby, whoever he represents in your life, that person is not your abuser, that person is not your rapist. That is someone who abused you. That is someone who raped you, and that is someone who will be dealt with in the ends of whatever time we have. Who you are and what is at your core is a survivor. It's what got you through any of those episodes, and there is a peace in you that is now ready to thrive. Let that person go and embrace the core of you that has survived some of your darkest moments. And remember that you are light and that you deserve every bit of movement forward. You deserve every piece of healing. You deserve to tell your story. Find a good ear. Find a therapist. Find prayer. Find meditation. But find you. It is not lost. It is not forgotten. It is worthy. It was hurt, and it deserves to heal. And I wish you well. Thank you, ladies. If you need to talk to somebody or you know someone who does, you can reach out to the National Sexual Assault Hotline. The number is 1-800-656-4673. If you're in Salt Lake City, you can call the Rape Recovery Center at 801-467-7273. Voices of Reason is a production of the Loudmouth Project.